Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48 in the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his Wonderful Counselor podcast. It's episode 13, and the title, What's Wrong with Being Right? Ever thought of yourself, if only people would agree with me, then my life would be so much better? I know that thought has crossed my mind more than a few times. So once again, I'm going to invite you to use that imagination of yours and close your eyes. Ready? It could have happened anywhere, but it happened in a small town in the Pacific Northwest. One of those cities where the entire county, 144 miles of blacktop, there isn't even a caution light. A place where time seems to stand as still as the black and white photo picture of the city in the 1800s. A town, it looked like a Norman Rockwell painting but like every community, if you look long enough, there are monsters lurking underneath. It's a place where people worked hard, and now lives have been traded for the routine of work to trying to enjoy the routine of retirement. No more blaring alarm clocks, deadlines, late nights at work, coming home to a cold dinner after stopping off at the local watering hole for a couple beers to unwind. Two local retired men got up early on a Monday morning for their meeting at the local coffee shop, which used to be a fishing store. People who haven't retired yet, they had come and gone. They were on the clock. These two men got their coffee in an almost empty restaurant. They began discussing the local and the national news. One was a Republican, retired newspaper editor, and the other was a Democrat, a retired logger. They had been friends for years. Today, however, was different. The normal good-hearted bantering picked up into an actual argument, with voices raised and both men stood up and were glaring at each other. Each one was determined that they were right, and they weren't willing to concede to either's point of view. Just then, a man entered the coffee shop. He stopped to read a poem on the wall written by a local poet. The poem was titled, On Rolls the Tide. The tide flows and ebbs in the life streams of the mighty Columbia. She brings forth and sustains life in the wombs from her hallowed depths. In the morning light, her song sings with a language only the birds know. From her breath, the crest of waves change the fragile and shifting sand. And from the hand of God, on rolls the tide. The largest ships are but corks of metal and wearily dependent on her emotions. The islands are but small, built-up sandbars from the passing of her ages. She knows not minutes, hours, or days, nor how time controls those around her. She touches and feeds the salmon and the steelhead with nutrients from her heart. And from the hand of God, on rolls the tide. She reflects the moods of the heaven as the sky is mirrored in her watery soul. On a stormy day, she's the color of cold steel gray with white caps and foam. When the rain falls, even the sky fills her with an endless supply of tears. When the sun is out, she's transparent sapphire and light dances across her body. And from the hand of God, on rolls the tide. 
In the midnight hour, she sparkles as beams of moonlight try to transcend her depths. As the sun rises, she uses her warmth to comfort those in her tender maternal care. Her children fill the water and take their life cycle to the great and vast sea beyond. At sunset, she reflects the golden eternal city as those who have passed look down. And from the hand of God, on rolls the tide. The man ordered a coffee. He was asked by the server if he wanted anything in it, which he replied no. The waitress assured him this was very bitter coffee. She even had to put something in it, and he assured her he likes his coffee bitter. He walked over to the two men still arguing, and he politely asked if he could join them. Normally, both men would welcome the invitation. However, this wasn't the time for a stranger to sit at their table. Still, there was something about this stranger. He brought a strange feeling with him, almost like a peace. It was like all the energy dissipated from the argument. So both men agreed to accept his invitation to their company. He introduced himself as John Elton. He was somewhat retired himself, or at least retiring. The men noticed his youthful appearance and asked what he retired from. John shared he used to help people mediate conflicts. He made his fortune trying to help people resolve their misery, and some made reconciliation. Most didn't, to their demise. The two men shared, well, we have a conflict. Who's right? John listened thoughtfully as each presented their argument from their respectful positions. John then spoke, and both men thanked John, and the argument ended, and both men left knowing that they were right, and John had sided with each one of them. A man named William, who had just come from his dad's funeral, was lost in thought, but even in his grief-filled state, he couldn't help notice what just happened. He had not seen anything like this in his life, and that strange feeling, that sort of peace that seemed to follow the man, he needed to meet him. He introduced himself to John. John said to him, Death is just a doorway. The man started to shake, but he wasn't able to cry. John assured him the tears would come, to be patient. The man asked John how he did it. He saw what happened. What did he say to them? John said he told each of them what they wanted to hear. The man informed John that he was actually an assembly member from Anchorage, Alaska. He needed his help because there was such division between the assembly and many of the people of the city. John graciously accepted his invitation. William was staying at a local bed and breakfast and offered John a room. John accepted and agreed to meet him later for dinner. John walked over to a local grocery store and picked up some breath mints. He went to the counter. The woman was quite attractive, but he could tell by her saddened disposition she hadn't been told that in quite a while. John spoke. She looked up and made shy eye contact, but he couldn't help but she couldn't help gazing into his eyes. He told her she was beautiful and needed someone to treat her that way. Her face lit up and a smile creased her lips. John tipped her well and walked away. Her bright, beautiful countenance captured the attention of a shy young man who brought his groceries to the counter. He also told her she was beautiful. The woman had lived through years of neglect by her overworking husband, and even though it went against her personal values, she eventually started a love affair. 
Her husband left home at the same time and would be gone for days, and her and her lover found comfort for their loneliness under the sheets. I'm beautiful, she thought. I'm, I'm rescuing her for a life of loneliness, thought the chivalrous lover. They both were right and happy. John joined William for dinner and listened to him talking about his accomplishment. The man talked about himself into the wee hours of the night, and it appeared he fell asleep still talking. John, however, didn't need sleep. He patiently waited for William to wake up late. William woke up with a start. Oh my gosh, we're going to get me late. Our flight. He started rushing about, not bothering to shower. We have to go, he said. John casually got into the passenger seat and asked if he could, they could pick up coffee on the way. Reluctantly, William agreed, and John sipped on his bitter coffee. When you're in a hurry, even the most careful drivers get rattled. And when you get behind a slow car, often you'll ride the, you will ride their bumper a bit. William wasn't quite in that state until he saw the place where the car could have pulled over and let him pass, but his blood boiled when they kept driving. William was livid. The car, close, the car edged closer to the car up front. Unknown to William, the driver of the car was preoccupied with kids in the back, a wife who didn't get her coffee, and now a car was behind him coming too close for comfort. William, in the heat of the moment, got too close and bumped the car from behind, just enough for it to cross the center line. The log truck coming around the corner had no time to react. The car was partially crushed, flipped over, sliding into a ditch. William hit the brakes, the car spun like a top, and came to a sudden stop. John, meanwhile, hadn't spilled a drop of his coffee. And if you'd have checked his pulse, there was an Indian indication that he was remotely stressed. William was in shock. He got out, checked the other car. He could see kids and a woman and a man trapped inside. The log truck driver was already ahead of him with blood dripping off his head. And then they both stared in horror as the car burst into flames. The screaming of people being burned alive was too much for William. He collapsed on the road. The truck driver called 911. He got his flares out. He was going to make sure no one else was going to be killed today. The town, which was usually known for headlines of a cow being loose in someone's yard, would now have a headline that would shape the community for many years to come. John thought to himself, well, they won't need a crematorium, and he sipped his bitter coffee. After taking statements, there's no proof William caused the accident. The police officer asked if he had anything to add to the investigation. William was silent. John reminded William they have a plane to catch. And for a while, and while all this was going on, John had called the airport. And if they leave right now, they could catch the next flight to Anchorage. William collapsed in the passenger seat, and John calmly drove them to the airport. Later, when they were finally on the plane and leveling off, the stewardess came by the first-class section and asked if anyone needed anything. William hadn't drank in ten years, and he looked at John and said, I need a drink. And John said, like you've, like you've been saying, you're always right. One glass led to many more until that familiar feeling. And for a moment, it all went away. He then passed out. John closed his eyes. He wasn't tired. It was just for appearance sake. He noticed a young woman in the seat to the side of him. John made polite conversation and asked what she was reading. 
she shared from my Bible. John's ears picked up a bit. Would you share with me a passage, he said. She read, there is a way that seems right to a man but leads to death. John doesn't feel emotion, but for effect he looked at her with that devilish smile and said, that was one of his favorite verses. The young woman said, are you a Bible teacher or a minister? And John once again looked at her, much like a cat would stare at a mouse before eating it. I'm familiar with the book. I've studied it all my life. She th he thought, she's so innocent and young in her faith, he could shatter it in a moment. Then he sensed and knew she had his spirit. She wasn't someone playing with religion. She was a believer. If it was if God had said to him, she's mine. He sat back. Well, that one got away. He had more pleasant thoughts to think about. By now, the log truck driver would have already been patched up and informed his supervisor about the damaged truck. He stayed with it until the tow truck came to make sure none of the logs broke loose. He did not want any more damage. He was supposed to make another run, but his boss looked at him like he was death runt, warmed over, and told him he needed to go home. As he pulled in the driveway, he parked his truck and went inside. He heard the sound of laughing. He approached the bedroom. His wife, who was the cashier at the local grocery store, wasn't alone. He cracked the door and stared in disbelief. She was having sex with another man. He calmly walked into the den, grabbed the loaded shotgun, which is used for duck hunting, entered the room quietly, and they were initially too preoccupied to notice, like two dogs in heat. His wife sensed something wrong. She pushed the man off her and sat up. She said, please. He left both of them as blood splatters on the wall. He then turned the gun on himself and pulled the trigger and joined them. John opened his eyes. Everything went as planned. If he wouldn't have bought the coffee, no screaming burning to death children. If he wouldn't have gave the woman the compliment and convinced her she was beautiful and desiring, no blood splattered wall art. He had collected a few souls today. He opened his Bible and read about Jesus hanging himself. He was so proud of that one. John mused for a while. Through the centuries, possession had its season. But it was like old school. It was a waste of resources of the demons. He said in the most irreverent prayer imaginable, as he thread through, read through the last days of Christ's life on earth, Well played, God. Well played. I didn't see that coming. But since you made them in your image, they have the ability to choose. All it takes is a little nudge. They don't want truth. They want to be right. And what could possibly be wrong with that? And he closed his Bible as the plane landed at Ted Stevens Airport in Anchorage, Alaska. So you have a choice. Jesus said he came to give us abundant life. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And he says the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Do you want a life with Christ or do you want a, a life with John Elton? There's no other choice. I'm looking forward to episode 14 with you guys. And um, it will be interesting to see what John Elton does in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs>